Let's begin our time together with a list of names that will hopefully give you a clue as to where we're headed today. The helper, the reminder, the one known to those who follow Jesus, the one who lives with us or abides with us, the comforter, the creator, the one who was promised, the one sent by the Father, the spirit of truth, the advocate, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside. All these are names and descriptions for God, the Holy Spirit. But before we get to these names and some of the attributes of the Holy Spirit, we need to establish a basic truth about God. God is triune. One God, three persons. For me, the more I break down a description, the more I can wrap my mind around it. And sometimes an illustration helps. One such illustration that I've heard is the water illustration. Water comes in three distinct forms. Liquid, like we see in our cups, ice, like what we skate on, or vapor, like the fog we see on a cool spring morning. All of these are forms of the same thing, water. I like how Scott Steen from Prepared to Answer writes in an article he entitles The Trinity for Kids. He describes the Trinity this way. As we read our Bible stories about Jesus, it becomes necessary to explain that everything Jesus did and accomplished, he did because he was God. I can still remember my son's response. So Jesus is God? I could almost smell the smoke coming from the wheels spinning in his head. It became further complicated when when teaching about the Holy Spirit. And now trusting in Jesus meant that God lived inside our hearts. But how can Jesus be in heaven and in my heart too? Kids are so smart. At this point, it became necessary to explain to them that God is one God and exists in three persons. We call this the Trinity. The word itself is never used in the Bible, but the Bible clearly teaches that God is Father. Genesis 1.1 presents God as the creator of heaven and earth, after which the whole Bible affirms that God the Father is the sovereign Lord over all the universe. God is Son. John 1, 1-4 clearly teaches that Jesus, the Word, was with God from the beginning and was God, and that all things were made through him, and in him was life, and that life was the light of man. God is Holy Spirit. Jesus affirms the Trinity of, in Matthew twenty eight nineteen when he commissions his disciples to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And yet, there's one God. One of the first scriptures the Jews would teach their children in Deuteronomy 6.4 was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God is not one person and three persons, nor one God and three gods, but rather the doctrine of the Trinity states that God is one God and three persons. So there are three things that I want to affirm with my kids at this point, he says. God is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each person is fully God, and there is one God. Our passage today, John 14, 15 to 27, affirms this truth. We see Jesus as a representative of the Father. We see Jesus promising a helper to come to all who put their trust in Jesus and follow his commands. And we see that the one promised will not speak his own words, but will be speaking the words of God. No one can speak the very words of God unless they are God. As followers of Jesus, we must affirm 
this truth. This starts by putting our trust in Jesus. When we do this, our passage says, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. The last sentence in verse 17 says, but you will know him because he will remain with you and will be in you. We know who the you is in verse 17 because of verse 15. The verse 15, you in verse 15, are those who love Jesus and keep his commands. If you love Jesus and keep his commands, you are a follower of Jesus. This is really where that water illustration falls apart. God cannot be divided into three distinct parts. We can't separate them. He is one God. We must remember this truth. One God who is three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each one is fully God, and each one operates perfectly together. If your head's hurting right now, that's okay. A little mystery about how this all works together is a good thing. We aren't supposed to know everything about God. And what, we're re- what I would really like to focus on this morning is who is the Holy Spirit? But in order to do that, we needed to establish this truth. The Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about is God. Picture a person who's going through a tough time. And there's another person there with them with their arm around them. The person going through the tough time is leaning on the other person who's giving them strength. Sometimes this helper person is carrying, sometimes they're leading them, and sometimes they're just supporting them. Or picture a person who's just had something amazing happening and there's another person there cheering them on. Or picture a person who just needs someone to talk to and that other person is always there. Wrap all of these helpers into one. And I think that's who the Holy Spirit is. What I find so beautiful about this passage is that we learn about the Holy Spirit through the four attributes that we can see in the passage. As I'm going through the attributes this morning, I want you to be thinking, which attribute am I connecting with today? In verse 17, he's the spirit of truth. This is attribute number one. He's the spirit of truth. Another way to say this is, He is the Spirit who leads us in truth. The Spirit who leads us in living rightly before God, with God's motives. A. Tozer says the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to restore the lost soul to intimate fellowship with God through the washing of regeneration. To accomplish this, the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to the penitent heart, meaning that it's through the work of the Holy Spirit that we recognize our need for a Savior. The Holy Spirit then continues to teach us to live in a way that honors God. This is the process of sanctification. Way of Jesus saying, number one, is I've begun to follow Jesus and depending on the spirit of Jesus in my journey. I think that is such a beautiful truth, that the Holy Spirit is at work. He reveals truth to us so that we can learn to be more like Jesus. Attribute number two. Verse 17, he's the one who will remain and abide with us. Have you ever been let down by someone? Have they told you that they were going to do something and then they never did follow through? Sometimes intentionally, oftentimes very unintentionally. People will let us down. There's no way that another person can be there for us all the time. But God the Holy Spirit is always there for us. I love the word picture that Jesus paints in verse 18. He says, 
He will not leave us behind or abandon us like orphans. When the Bible talks about orphans. This is what it means in the context of the time. Orphans have to take care of themselves. Orphans must be strong. They have no one to rely on. Orphans must protect themselves from being taken advantage of. Orphans cannot depend on anyone. Orphans cannot be weak. Orphans crave to be taken in and loved, but doubt they ever will. Orphans want to be accepted. They want to belong. Orphans only trust themselves. Orphans cannot get too close. Orphans are always on the outside looking in. It's quite a word picture, especially today as we're celebrating Mother's Day. This is completely the opposite feeling of most mothers, I think. As parents, mothers in particular, it hurts to think that there are children in the world who are not cared for and who are left on their own. This is how God feels towards us. He genuinely wants a relationship with us and even promises that he will come to live with us and in us if we will put our trust in him, but he will not force us. Many of us will try to do it on our own and will end up living like orphans, relying on ourselves, trusting in no one, and with no protection. Clearly, according to this passage, this is not God's intent. The passage goes on to tell us what God's intent for us is. Tozer says, we are called to live as worshipers. This leads to attribute number three, the Holy Spirit as a teacher and a reminder. We find this in verse 21, 23, and 24. Living a life of worship can be summed up in one word. That word is obedience. We worship God by keeping Jesus' commands and obeying Jesus' teachings which includes the whole Bible. We are all born with that sin nature, and putting our trust in Jesus does not take that sin nature away. We will continue to struggle with sin still. Verse 25 says that the Holy Spirit is the teacher who will teach us all things and remind us of all the things that Jesus said. As followers of Jesus, we have the privilege to obediently follow. Sometimes that's going to mean We need to be corrected. The Holy Spirit convicts us by reminding us of the Father's commands and teaching us what these commands mean in our everyday lives. For example, one of the commands is do not steal. That seems fairly easy to understand, but what about the music on your phone? Is the artist being compensated for the work, for their work, or did you get it for free? What about obeying those in authority over us? The speed limit is 90, but we choose to drive 110. Personally, I blame it on the guy I bought the truck from. He must have broken in that way. Or what about, the, what about obeying those in authority who say that we should be social distancing? Do we try to find ways around this and justify our actions, or do we follow Jesus' teaching that, said, that says submit to those in authority over you? As we desire to be more like Jesus in our behaviors, attitudes and character, our desire to hear the Holy Spirit will become keener, will become more in tune with what he's saying. It's really a growing thing. Not long ago, I spoke to a mature member of our church family about this very thing, and he said, it isn't that I'm any better at following. In fact, most days I feel that I'm worse, but I do feel like I'm becoming more aware of sin sooner and in smaller quantities. 
I used to feel convicted when the swear word would slip out. Now I feel convicted when I even think of somebody in a way that's not honoring to God. It's really a growth thing, isn't it? This is a process that's never really finished until, until the day that we stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Until that day, we have the privilege of learning from and being reminded by the Holy Spirit. The last attribute that we find is found in verse 27. He's the calmer of troubled hearts. Remember in verse 15, I told you that the you here refers to those of you who love Jesus and keep his commands. Just because you love Jesus and you follow his commands does not automatically mean that you have a carefree life with everything taken care of for you. Anyone who promises you this is giving you, is teaching you a false gospel, a prosperity gospel. What we actually see here is that God the Holy Spirit is with us in the middle of the situation. He's the one who carries us through. He's the one that gives us the strength to keep going. Going through a tough time right now, bring it to Jesus. Don't expect him to fix the situation in the way that you want it done. He's not a genie in the bottle ready to grant your wishes. Rather, trust Jesus as he gives you the strength to carry on. Trust his guidance to get through the situation. He will lead you, but it may not be in the way that you expected. In closing, I'd like to share with you a little resource that I got from Pastor Claren through our discipleship huddle. It's a 3DM resource. Let me just share my screen with you right now. What this is, is a diagram about a way for us to process those moments in our life where we know we need to be thinking things through. The first question we need to be asking is, how is God getting my attention and what is he saying? This could be conviction. This could be guidance. This could be him teaching me something. Take time to reflect on what you're hearing. Look at it through the lens of what does the Bible say about this? Take some time to discern what you're hearing with somebody that you know has godly wisdom. If you look at the bottom of the diagram, you'll see stop. This means take time to listen. And as we learned today, take time to listen to the Holy Spirit. And those of us who love Jesus and follow his commands, be ready to stop and listen to what he has to say. And then follow the plan that he asks of you. Break it down into manageable steps, and if needed, recruit that person with godly wisdom to help you keep on track. The Tozer quote from earlier today was, we are called to live a life as worshipers, meaning it's our pleasure to obediently follow God, the Holy Spirit, as he leads. Today, are you connecting with the Holy Spirit? Are you connecting with the Spirit of Truth? Are you connecting with the one who remains and abides with us? Are you connecting with the teacher and the reminder? Are you connecting with the calmer of fearful and troubled hearts? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can be together as a church family. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're the one who walks with us through those troubled times. We thank you that you're the one who guides us through those seasons where we need to be led and guided. We thank you for your, 
for your conviction too. Thank you that you are teaching us and constantly reminding us of the words of Jesus. May we learn to listen to you this week. In Jesus' name, amen.